Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Jane Bissler, and she will be talking about loving connections. Dr. Jane Bissler teaches her clients how to feel connected to their loved ones and shows them how connecting can be a healing experience. Dr. Bissler is the co-author of Loving Connections, The Healing Power of After-Death Communications. Welcome to the show, Jane. Thank you. I'm so, so glad to be here. Hi. It's great to have you on, Jane. And uh, we met Jane, I guess, at ADAC, right? That's right, ADEC and uh, Bereaved Parents of USA. Right, exactly. So now, Heidi, don't we have a Jane? We have a YouTube from you, right? Uh, you do not have a YouTube. Oh, we me. don't. We didn't get you on. Darn no, it! I We've got forty left to do, so I wasn't time. sure if we had one from you or not. We we uh, did a lot of YouTube at the ADEC conference, so maybe next time we can we can do that. Sure. Well, I found your book really interesting, Loving Connections: The Power of After Death Communications, because I I have a lot of thoughts about it. In fact, I had somebody email me recently who had. Uh, some people wanted her to join a group, a, kind of a medium group, to connect with her loved one. And uh, we can talk about that and, and some of the things that I said to her, which were basically, you know, you have to follow your own, own heart. I, I don't know. You know, I can't advise you uh, one way or the other. But let's get into that in a minute. Let's start out by talking about our culture and and about spiritual communication and that kind of thing. We as a medical uh, or therapy, I'm a nurse actually and by background, and we've been discouraged from hearing these stories. Right, and I think when you talk to a lot of people, though, in the nursing profession, through hospice, uh, in the pastoral profession, um, they will be telling you a lot of these stories that their patients and clients have talked to them about. The fact that, gosh, I didn't, I didn't realize, I kind of felt his energy, or the lights keep flashing on and off. And unfortunately, they feel crazy. Um, they feel like this is something that they can't really share with anybody, they can't tell anybody, because everybody thinks they're nuts. When really what we have found through our research is that more than 80% of people who have lost a close loved one, if they're aware, can be open to this and that there are those messages that are coming through. And we just talked to Dr. Bernie Siegel on our Open to Hope show Mm -hmm. on Monday, and he's a world-renowned physician, about some of his own experiences. And it was interesting, wasn't it, Mom? Yeah, very, very much interesting. And, and he, you know, is a surgeon, of all things. Right. And, uh, and we were talking about the fact that the medical community, doctors and surgeons, oftentimes have not wanted to deal with any kind of grief and loss or connection or, or anything like that. And he uh, talks about it. And, uh, you know, that was pretty groundbreaking when he very first began. There are a few more people talking about it. I think Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, you know, was certainly um, into that kind of uh, connection and spiritual things also. Absolutely, she was. So now, how many people did you interview? A lot. This book is filled with wonderful uh, experiences. Right. We actually did face-to-face interviews with 127 people. Uh, wow. And those interviews um, resulted in, we, we actually kind of 
put a call out for people, and we had so many people respond to that call through my website, counselingforloss.com. And so we had so many people come in that we really had to narrow them down. And we tried to get a cross-section of the different kinds of losses they had, different age of people, um, different cultural backgrounds, different religious backgrounds of folks to try to get a a really cross-section. And then we just narrowed it down and could only put, unfortunately, could only put a few of them in the book. So, so Jane, did you see any similar themes regardless of loss? Absolutely we did, and those are the themes that we've actually talked about uh, in the book. Um, we, we narrowed things down, and um, we've got a cognitive and emotional support is one, spiritual development, helping them move forward, assisted communications, learning how to connecting with the other side. Um, some of these were, were just were were wonderful and they were they really were very pointed uh, reassurance about loved one's fate so there were a lot of different things one was promises kept and that's one of the places where I have one of my stories in and um, what is your story my story Briefly. was the fact that my dad died um, we were very close and I had been working I've been in this field as a counselor for a little over 25 years and a, a client actually had told me a story of a connection that she had set up with her sister who was dying uh, and, and showed me how that that was actually happening. And what her story was is that her sister said, when I have, uh, when petals fall from flowers in your presence, that's telling you that I'm fine and I'm in heaven because that was their belief structure. So when, when my dad was dying of COPD, I asked him if he if we could set up a message just between the two of us. And, um, you know, he was 82 years old, and this was in 1999, so a lot of things were not really out there. But we definitely made that pact, and he actually told me he would be sending me rainbows. Um, So 15 (laughs) months after his death, I saw a rainbow within two days of his death date, um, no matter where I was. And I'm in northeastern Ohio, so having rainbows in the winter is just not something that happens here. Um, But that year, we actually had some ice crystal rainbows around the sun uh, during the winter months. Uh, I write an article that's in our newspaper every week and would put that information in, and people would call me and email me and send me notes about rainbows that they had seen uh, around my dad's death date. So for 15 months, um, I saw a rainbow every single month, and I was actually at an ADAC conference, uh, and Louis Gamino, who's a good friend of mine uh, who writes a lot on ethics, talked about the fact that, you know, why, why do you still need this? And my my comment to him was, I don't need it. It's just nice to have it. And mm-hmm. so I, I was feeling like, uh-oh, you know, what am I doing here uh, as far as with my dad's energy um, and kind of released him from that. Okay, I got it, Dad. I know you're there. I know you're happy. I know you're well. I know you're no longer suffering. Uh, and now they come periodically. Uh, mm-hmm. So I definitely believe that they're there. Okay, but so the- what if I'm sitting out there and saying, well, all well and good for you, but I, I'm not getting any signs and I need some. Yeah, I, you know what, and that's definitely something that we talk about in the book as well because um, it's very uh, disheartening for people who really want these signs and they're not, they're not coming forward. What I have found, though, is that when I'm actually talking with someone about the fact that they're not getting signs, when we really stop and think about it, sometimes 
there are people who just have to have it so black and white that maybe they're not really picking up. I'll talk to them and they'll say, you know, every time I come here, I hear the same song on the radio. And as we kind of talk about the messages in that song, sometimes they can make that connection then. Or every single time I come here, a green ambulance passes me about in the same stretch of road. And so we we look and, you know, is there an ambulance bay that's right there or why is this really happening? Um, And people say, no. You know, no, you know, my son was really taken in a green ambulance. And so do we have any proof that this is this energy is actually coming through in this way? No, we really don't have any proof. But if I'm going to hedge the bet, <laughs> I'm going to hedge the bet that the signs that I'm actually seeing are coming from that person for a couple of reasons. First of all, it makes me feel good. And second of all, it doesn't damage any of my grief work. And thirdly, if I get to heaven and my dad happens to be standing there with his arms crossed and says, you know, I sent you a rainbow for 15 months and you totally (laughs) ignored me, I'm going to hedge the bet that he wants me to see that. Mm. And and like you said, if it brings peace and comfort to people, I mean, I don't see what the problem is in believing about it. Okay, so what about the therapeutic community? What about the people who don't believe, who discount these experiences and say that delusions are part of the grieving process? What, what's your thought about that? I know some of our audience have heard that out there. Yes, they certainly have heard that, and it's, it's, it's sad, actually. Um, you know, you're talking about positive psychology, and that's really what my dissertation was on, is what's mm-hmm. most helpful for parents who have lost adolescent children, not looking at what the, the terror part of it was, but what's actually most helpful. So I've been in this positive psychology mode for a long, long time, mm-hmm. and anything that comes from a strength base and anything that brings you peace, and bring brings you more of a sense of, pay, of strength is a good thing. One minute. You know, I think uh, one of the things that um, if a therapist does that, I would say to you out there, if seeing a sign fits into your belief system, if seeing a sign fits into what you believe happens in the afterlife, or if you believe that you will live with your loved one in the afterlife or whatever, that's your belief system, and no one has the right to take that belief system away from you. And if you're paying somebody to challenge it, you need to take a a quick look at if you want it challenged. If you do, great. If you don't, um, you know, they don't have the right to do that. We are going to talk about how people can get signs, but I ha- we had an uh, interesting email come in about this. Uh, Scott Tallman is a person who's been connecting with us, and, you know, he found us through the Internet, just uh, came home from work and typed in, um, I'm suffering from the death of my son. And, you know, we came up. I mean, it, the Internet is almost like communications. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he sent us an email, and he said, I went to the dentist's office. I was horribly anxious. And he said, I entered the dentist's office, I filled out all the far- forms, and I was waiting to be called. And he said, I, I was really, really nervous about it, and I just, for some reason, thought about my son, James, that died. And uh, he said, the doctor uh, explained his procedure, and they brought out the needles for Novocaine injections, and I closed my eyes and felt the nurse hold my hand. It was over a few seconds, and I actually barely felt the pain at all. He puts an exclamation point. And then when he says, when I opened my eyes, I realized that the nurse was not holding my hand. Uh-huh. Neither was anyone else. My Jamesy came to me and asked, as I had asked. Oh, that's oh wonderful. I have goosebumps. I love that, that story. So moving. Isn't that wonderful? Well, thank you, Scott, for that. And and thank you for the male voice saying, yes, Mm -hmm. we can recognize all those experiences and and 
embrace them. Well, Jane, I wanted to talk about how I want to connect with the other side. How do I do it? Well, it was interesting when I heard you um, talking a few minutes ago, Gloria, you had talked about people kind of joining a medium group. And that's not something that, you know, that I think everybody has to do. I think everybody has within them the ability to connect with that energy. You know, we talk a lot when I'm presenting, we talk a lot about quantum physics and the fact that Mm -hmm. when energy is created, it never totally dissipates. It may change forms. For instance, if the if a raindrop falls on the bottom of your driveway and it may form a pool there, it's in liquid form. But as the day goes on, it dissipates and it evaporates and it changes form into that evaporation, but it's still that same energy. And it goes back into the clouds and it comes back down as rain. And so this cycle continues. And yes, that's a very simplified version of what we're really talking about here. But energy never dies. It just, it just continues. So I think the, the big thing is the fact that everybody has the ability to build an awareness of signs and sensory experiences and physical events that actually happen. And when you build that awareness, when you allow yourself to believe that this is a possibility, that this song coming on the radio um, is, is a possibility, that that's that meaning, that ambulance that you're that you're Or that I find dimes, don't we, Heidi? Yeah, yeah. wonderful. From Scott, My husband found one this morning. Dimes. But I'll have to tell you, he's not a believer. And we find dimes all the time, and he just kind of shrugs it off and smiles. Yeah. So not everybody's going to want to do that. Right. Exactly. Not everybody's going to want to do that. And, you know, I say to people, um, you can look for signs. I mean, look for them. I never get a sign. I walked out of of my group, Compassionate Friends group, with a woman, and I said, look for signs. I said, look at that one right there. And it said Safeway, the grocery (sighs) store. You know, find the safe way. Yeah. There are signs all over the place. Absolutely, absolutely. And just being aware of that is just so empowering and so strength-building. Another thing that people can use is meditation. You know, that's just a really wonderful way. And, and, and meditation does not mean you need to be sitting in a room and saying "Om" for 15 minutes. Um, meditation can be taking a walk through a park. Um, it can be, you know, sitting sitting in your home in a favorite spot. It can be rocking in a rocking chair. It can be holding a baby. All of those things can be extremely meditative. But when you totally relax your body and relax your mind, as much as grieving people are able to do, because it's very difficult for them to do that. But when they do that, a lot of times it allows those messages to come through. It allows that feeling of just like just like the, the caller Scott had about James. I felt someone holding my hand. Well, he had done a great job in relaxing himself. And And he also called on him. He said, I guess when he came in that he was worried. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Certainly. Calling on them, letting them know they hear it. You know, they hear what you're saying. They're with you. There's just no doubt in my mind. Other kinds of things that people can do would be journaling. Um, that's, that's a very, and again, it's kind of a meditative process when you're just allowing yourself to write whatever you want to write. And how about writing with your left hand, some people say? Exactly. Sometimes when I'll have a some of our clients do, some of my clients do, is write with their dominant hand a question of that loved one and then put the pencil or pen in their non-dominant hand and just allow that answer to come. And sometimes just having them close their eyes while they're actually doing that can really bring an incredible sense of connection because a lot of times they're getting information coming from that non-dominant hand that they never would have thought about. 
And it's not and about the, pre- there's the then the dream. Everybody, you know, yeah. um, you know, talks about the dream and having the dream. And if you, I ha- actually had a very healing dream, and and Me people too. have these healing dreams. What if I didn't have a healing dream? I know you have some suggestions about how you might look for a healing dream. Right, exactly. And I, and exactly what you said, Gloria, just a few minutes ago is so true. And that is asking for that dream. First of all, you know, so many times bereaved people are so sleep deprived. And when they're sleep deprived or they're being medicated for sleep, a lot of times those dreams are hard to remember. So having that piece of paper and pencil on their bedside table and when that alarm goes off or if they can ask themselves to wake up just before And just roll over and don't even open your eyes. Just pick up the pencil and grab the first couple of words that come into your mind and write those things down. A lot of times that can then help them to recall what was really going on in their sleep. And may I say, if you can't meditate, I couldn't have meditated uh, after Scott died for some time. My mind was, talk about the drunken monkey, I was all over the world, had trouble sleeping, so trying to get myself to remember dreams uh, probably wasn't a good thing because I was having enough trouble struggling anyway, but I could look for signs. (laughs) I mean, you know, you can look at printed signs out there. Right, exactly, And, and some people can dream, and some people do dream, and sometimes their dreams don't make any sense to them. And sometimes if they're able to kind of sketch that dream out a little bit in in words or in pictures, and they can show it to somebody else who's not in that same grieving boat, sometimes they can bring up things that, oh, gosh, well, look at this, and I remember when so-and-so did this, it, did, did this have anything to do with it? And they'll sit, then the, the grieving person can then make that connection with that. But all of these things, everything doesn't work for everybody. And it's finding that strength. It's looking at what's worked for you in the past when you felt super anxious. Right. And, and, and if you help. need it, some people don't want it. Or sometimes these things are so private and sacred, you don't want to talk about them. Uh, I think sometimes people will tell you a story once. And particularly, I remember my dad had a, uh, you know, went to the light and all that when he almost died. And I wanted him to keep telling me that story after Scott died. And he told it to me once, and he'd want to keep telling me. And now I realize that was a sacred experience. So I think that's one reason. Well, it's not that people are afraid of rejection. It's that those are sacred experiences. Were you going to say something, kind? I was going to say they are sacred experiences, but also people react in certain ways. And, and when it is a sacred experience, you really don't want to hear other people's reactions. Right. Unless, you know, they would be positive because for you, it was a positive healing experience and you want to stay in that space. Right. And that's what happens sometimes when people go to counselors or psychologists or whatever and they have broached the subject of something like this and the the look on the the, the um, professional's face is enough to turn them right off. And again, then they go home and say, I must be crazy. I'm not going to talk to anybody about that. And that's the reason why we try really hard to make sure that we're getting this book out to let people know that they're not crazy, that this is going on, and it's becoming more and more talked about and more and more prevalent all the time. And how do people get your book? Um, they can get it through Amazon. Um, and it, it's right there. Um, they can order it through Amazon, um, or they can go onto our website, uh, which is counselingforloss.com, uh, and we can, they can send us an email through that. And there are a lot of stories uh, also on the Counseling for Loss website that did not make it into the book, but they are wonderful stories of people that we interviewed. Now, are you uh, doing therapy, and where are you located? Uh, I do. I'm a full-time counselor. I'm in Northeastern Ohio. I'm in Kent, Ohio.
Kent, Ohio, do you do any phone kinds of things or emailing? I do. Or? I do do phone um, sessions. I do not do email sessions. I'll certainly use email to set it up. Um, but, you know, usually I like that connection with the voice. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And I wanted to know, are there any more comments you want to make about this, Heidi, before we go to break? I just love this topic, and I've had my own personal experiences with with uh, communications, and it's brought me so much comfort and healing. And like my mom said, look for those signs because they're out there, and don't dismiss them. Right. As a sibling, what kind of signs have you had? So, what kind of si- signs? Similar to what people have had with any kind of loss. I mean, I definitely find dimes. When I need Scott, I definitely feel his presence. I call on him. When I want to dream about him, I really concentrate on him right before I fall asleep so that we have visit- visitations in during my dreams. You know, so yeah. the interesting thing is it's been so many years. I think uh, one of the things for Heidi and I, Jane, has been that it's been long enough that we are relaxed and comfortable to receive whatever. Right, right. And that's absolutely that's beautiful that that continues. And, and you two can really give that to the audience to let them know that it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't have to be within the first one, two, five, ten years that this continues on because that energy never dissipates. Yeah, absolutely. it is. And I always say that the grief no longer gets in the way for me. So, you know, I used to dream in nightmares uh, about the, the way he died. And now my dreams are wonderful, and I'm visiting him and remembering him for the way he lived. Oh, wonderful. That's great. So actually it becomes kind of fun, and Heidi ha- and I have some laughs every so often about about things that happen and remind us. So it's a, it's a, it becomes a really joyous thing. So if you're in early grief and you're too stressed to even think about this, you really don't have to. You know, you can get the book and, and put it away and pull it out, and Jane's got some great ideas when you do decide that you want to make some kind of a, a connection. But I would say to you definitely, if you can't do anything else, look at the signs that people are building and putting up there because they're pretty amazing, and it's also kind of funny and fun. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.